0: Welcome to the IFE podcast series. Today's podcast is an IFE Distinguished Visitor Lecture and features Professor Ravinda Daya from the University of Glasgow. Ravinda Daya is a Professor of Electronics and Nanoengineering and a Nanoengineering and Engineering and Physical Science Research Council Fellow in the School of Engineering at the University of Glasgow. He is the Director of the Electronics Systems Design Centre and the leader of the Bendable Electronics and Sensing Technologies Group. His group conducts fundamental research on high-mobility materials-based flexible electronics and electronic skin, and the applications in robotics, prosthetics, and wearable systems. His lecture, recorded on Thursday the 24th of May, is entitled Large Area Flexible Electronic Skin. We hope you enjoy this IFE Distinguished Visitor Lecture thank you very much prashant and thank you all of you for coming to this lecture
1: so uh, as prashant mentioned i'm distinguished lecturer of IEEE sensor council and it is customary to because i'm here as a dl today it is customary to to in, include one slide and introduce what is IEEE sensor council so this will be the talk of uh, the, the title of my talk large area of uh, flexible electronic skin Uh, As far as IEEE Sensor Council is concerned, uh, it is, uh, it consists of 26 member societies of IEEE and because uh, it's more than half of the member societies that also translates into the access to more than half of the membership of IEEE, which is more than 260,000 members of IEEE. Uh, Currently, Sensor Council has 16 chapters. The flagship journal of Sensor Council is IEEE Sensor Journal which published last year more than 6,000 pages and it is uh, one of the top most in IEEE, any of the IEEE uh, publications. Flagship conference is IEEE Sensor Conference and Prashant also mentioned that. uh, This is typically attracts 1,000 delegates from all over the world. So these are some of the key points about IEEE Sensor Council. And then the place I come from, uh, Glasgow University, uh, it is an old university, 4th uh, oldest in English speaking world was established in 1451, currently it is much smaller in size, uh, he was telling me that you have 40, more than 40,000 students. Uh, so in, by that standard it is a small university, but actually it is a big university, uh, with more than uh, uh, people coming, students coming from more than 140 countries. Uh, 7,000 plus staff, 3,000, more than 3,000 research and teaching staff. University has a turn of over more than, uh, you know, half a billion pound. And from research only, we we get around 200 uh, million pounds. Roughly, this varies year to year. Uh, Consistently, university has been ranked in one of the top 100 universities and we are a member of Russell Group, which is top 24 university research-oriented universities in UK and uh, university always uh, comes in the first or second, it's always in the top in Scotland. So as far as uh, the college I belong to, I, I come from College of Science and Engineering, and College of Science and Engineering really stands on the shoulders of giants such as James Watt, Lord Kelvin, Joseph Black, Rankin, these, uh, these names you must have come across, and it's, it's a proud to be part of, you know, this, this rich scientific heritage. And uh, so far, 5 Nobel Prize winners have been uh, associated with College of Science and Engineering. In fact, last year the gravitational waves was also, there was connection because Rondrever moved to Caltech from Glasgow. And the key equipment that is needed to detect grav- gravitational waves was actually developed in Glasgow. So my group then, uh, Bendable Electronics and Sensing Technologies group. Uh, in short, best group, it says young and multidisciplinary as well as diverse group. I say multidisciplinary because I have members from engineering, physics, chemistry, biology, even doctors in my group and uh, I say diverse because my group members come from multiple backgrounds, currently 17 nationalities they are working in my group, uh, 7 postdocs, 12 PhDs, many master students, uh, typically we don't count them as a group members but uh, that's just included here, just to say there are several master project students also working with us. And uh, group, my group is known to attract uh, good fellows in terms of fellowships so far. Over the last four years, five Marie Curie fellows have come to group. One Newton fellow has come to group, two Lord Calvin Adams with fellowships have been, we have been successful in that, uh, in, in attracting all these fellows. And uh, my research group has uh, also been successful in attracting funding in lo- During last 6 years about uh, 15 million pounds of research income has come to my group More than 100 research articles out of the total uh, that Prashant mentioned have come from last 4 years And also several patents we have submitted recently And members leaving from the group are also quite successful For example last year 2 postdocs they got the lectureship and two other moves as a postdoc in, as a senior postdoc in other reputed universities. The primary focus of group as Prashant mentioned is high mobility materials based flexible electronics and I come to why high mobility, I will explain that later on. (coughs) So uh, the research focus of the group is to understand our own sensory feelings, understanding this develop the technology to bring it to machines, humanoids, because technology is there use this technology to improve human lives. So, kind of complete cycle we try to, we we have this closed loop system, we are not leaving it open. And the talk, today's talk is also structured in that way. So, I will start, I will talk about why touch sensing is needed, some motivation, then what we have done in terms of technology to bring tactile sensing to machines, robots, and then as a second skin, how can we use this technology to to measure some of the parameters or to augment our own capacity. So, when I say augment our own capacity or sensing means you can use this flexible electronics as a wearable system, as a tattoo like skin or or number of uh, names that you will come across if you read research articles, then all this actually is the same. And they are used to monitor various health parameters as a physiological parameters, uh, or you can extract uh, something that our skin is not able to do for example radiation We can't detect radiation, but you can always put radiation sensors in a variable system So that's the the idea and uh, this whole research is done in three four themes Silicon nanowires ultra thin chips, and they're all connected to each other uh, Connected in terms of the, the the dimensional scale as well as in terms of time scale some of these solutions are Immediate solutions some are mid-term some are long-term some solutions start with nanowires in dimension and goes up to large area Which can be meter scale? Uh, High mobility materials not using them as electronics, but exploiting some of their properties such as graphene etc Making sensors from them. I'll give an example and putting all these together with some stretchable interconnects etc connecting them with a system and using in robotics and prosthetics these are the primary applications for us but we are opening up to new applications now so this is the outline of my talk uh, the first part is uh, why uh, uh, electronic skin is needed what i mean by a flexible electronic conformable electronic or electronic skin that will be last slide of my this part then i will move to the, the technologies that are available as I said, over dimensional scale, over time scale. Then I go, I'll move to the second skin. how this technology which we have developed for robotics can be brought into to, to improve our lives and then c- conclude this talk with some one slide as, as a future vision. How many of you have been to a car manufacturing plant? Well, this is, this is the car manufacturing plant. That's how robots work there. So good to see at least one has been there. Robots in a car manufacturing plant, they are working in cages. Humans are not allowed to, to go uh, to go into that space because if they enter into that space, you come across news like this one. So, machine grabbed and crushed technician, this is 2015, this is 2015, Germany, India, Japan. Different regions, different times and you know there are always some accidents. It's a robot, is nothing but a machine. So accidents do happen, but we very quickly tend to say that this is because of machine and not because of man. Why human entered into that space at first place? So that was a manual error, but because machines are for us, we are not for machines, we always tend to blame machine. And it is correct. But what is not correct is why this machine ends up in doing something, why this accident happens? Why can we not make machines? which are safe. When we interact with machines, they must be safe. And if that is the case, how are we going to achieve the next generation of this industry for, you must have come across this word. We talk about future smart factories, smart layouts, etc. That's That's all part of industry for interconnected things. So IOT, we bring that IOT thing in the industry uh, environment, and How can we achieve this because next generation of industry uh, thing is going to be a cooperative uh, task, uh, execution of task between man and machine. And that cooperation involves lot of physical interaction. It is not that robot is sending that corner and human is here and you are carrying out task, it is not. There is a lot of physical interaction and when there is a physical interaction touch sensing comes at the centre without touch sensing you can't you can't really cooperate with each other. Think of uh, of the experiment if you put your hand on the ice block and and after some time you try to grasp something nearby you can't do that you can see that the object will slip out of your hand you can't do much about it that's importance of sense of touch. And if that is important why machines don't have sense of touch why? Uh, The the artificial limbs we are we are developing today. They don't have sense of touch. So that's the important question. Touch sensing is pretty much needed in several areas not just robotics some push factors are given on this side pull factors are given on this side. These push factors are where we need tactile sensing today. And these are the areas that will be enabled in the future. If we have tactile sensing by answering all these questions what how what can, you know, all these questions. When we answer these questions, then you will be able to, and if we, by, while answering these questions, we develop suitable technology, then this can happen. An example here is the laparoscopy. Current practice is that surgeons takes the minimal, in, in, it's a minimal invasive surgery example. There's a small keyhole, kind of five millimeter, surgeon inserts the tool in that keyhole, and at the end of the tool is a camera. And you are trying to, surgeon is trying to feel the tissues in that dark space with camera. It's like asking you that you see an object here and tell me whether it's, it's you know, soft or hard. Can you really do with the vision? There is something we call visual illusion. It doesn't happen like that. So you have to, if you want to palpate, if you want to feel the tissue, then you have to, you have to have that tactile sensing. And in this case, that becomes extension of feeling. It's extension by few, let's say, centimeters, hand is here, but you want to feel this one. But this extension can be kilometers, it can be miles, it can be, you know, between remote planets, and that's where it goes to Avatar kind of thing. So, that scale can be quite different. So, in Avatar, if you have seen that movie, you know, there's a, the person who is, you know, you are able to feel with your, you know, connect with your brain, and able to feel the remote plant object in that planet. And that's all possible, it's not something, it's not really a fiction, that's, that's a possibility, real possibility. Likewise, in case of medical robotics, the Vinci robot, surgeon is sitting here, robot is here, there's no tactile feeling, there's no tactile feedback. It's just the experience. What happens to this person, this skilled person, and the, because these skilled persons are less, there's a lot of stress on the healthcare system. So that's why machines are coming into picture. This machine can work uh, repetitively. It can work again and again. It won't be tired. But surgeon gets tired after some time, and because of that, they, there are high chances of making error. That's why sometimes we raise this question: Why robots? We really don't need it. We no, don't need those machines. But actually, we need them. And some there are several examples. Uh, in future. Examples are given here, neural control of limbs, you have amputee, you, you put prosthetic limbs but that's a cosmetic thing, there is nothing, no, no feeling restored to the, to the amputee. So there are neural interfaces needed, there is electronic skin needed which collects the data but then you feed that data into the, into the neural system and then execute the task based on the normal processing that goes in the brain. Elderly people, disabled people, they are, they, they want to live like a normal life, like like a normal person but because they are not able to do it, there can be technology, the, the rehabilitation or aid devices that can aid them to, to, to achieve what they want to achieve. Soft robotics, putting soft electronics on soft systems, controlling with brain and they can still play with their grandchild. I think these are all scenarios which is possible. And one thing that, that will make it possible is the technology. And that's why flexible electronics becomes quite important. So, the next question is then, tactile skin is not like other sensory modalities. It's not like vision. That you have two eyes, quite centralized. And uh, you can see and make a small chip, CMOS chip. And you can you can make interesting things, you know. The cameras are really small these days. You have quite high resolution camera in your mobile phone because there is a unique solution available. There is no such solution available for tactile sensing. Why? Because it's, it's much more complex than other sensory modalities. Number one, it has lots of parameters. It does not get that RGB thing and then you combine and you make whatever you can do at the data level, you can process the data in a, in a way you want. But it's uh, temperature, hot, cold, soft, hard, glossy surface, textured surface, several properties and then it is distributed, it is not two places only, it is distributed throughout the body. If robot is to execute a task uh, based on feedback coming from any part of the body, you need skin all over and then this body is not flat, this body is curvy, real world is curvy. So if you want gallop electronic skin it has to have multiple sensors. it has to be curvy and it has to be on the large area. This is the complex uh, complexity behind large area skin. You, will, you may have come across various skin examples, small examples, you know small area. But this, uh, this one when you talk about large area, things become very different. So we need all these things and we have done that. I'll show you some examples how we have achieved that. In order to make this effective part of the effective tactile skin and by effective I mean something not bench off something that is really used in robotics there are several sensors you will come across several small patches etc you will come across they are benched off nicely tested etc but never taken to, to the scaled up or never taken to the implementation level so that is also important in order to make this effective tactile skin you have to look at the functionalities what you want to do what what do you want to measure you have to look into the hardware what kind of mechanical hardware do we need soft robot or do we need the stiff is fine we also need to look at the electronics low power fast etc and then finally even if you take care of all these factors this is most critical comes at the end but you have to start thinking from the beginning maintenance reliability cost you you make a fantastic product and if this cost is, the cost is high or if it is difficult to maintain, it is bound to fail. So that's why all these factors all together are important. But some of them are, have been addressed in past, some are critically needed now, and some will come up in the future. That, that comes naturally. And uh, with this, we started working on, on all these things with this background. We started working on the tactile skin, and that was this. This is the work from 2007. That was the phosphor tactile sensing chip that I developed. Phosphor here stands for piezoelectric oxide semiconductor field effect transistor. And YP replaces M. M is the MOSFET that you typically come across as a transistor. Because in this case, the gate area piezoelectric polymer was present. Now, piezoelectric polymers they have this uh, this. Uh, the polarization something you know they they retain certain charges. When you apply the force, there is a charge additional charge developed here which is reflected into the channel through uh, the charge neutrality. And that way you can then say that the force is modulating the charge current. And that's why we call it a touch sensing device because it can get you pressure, it can get you the on the force. And because it is all implemented as, a, as on a silicon, it's, it is quite fast as well, the time lag between the input and output is, is, is negligible and the shape that you get as the output is, is closely matching with the input. This was a very good sensor and we wanted to put the sensor on the fingertip of iCub which was also developed in, in my lab, my previous lab where I started working on PhD. Actually this all came up during my PhD when I was working on, on the work on this task. But big problem is, this is flat, finger is cylindrical or spherical, this part is spherical, this is cylindrical. How can we use today's electronics, flat electronics on curvy surfaces? Your mobile phone today is flat, your display is flat. How can I use my mobile phone as a wristband? It is not possible today, because electronics today is planar. So, you have to think of new, new ways to get the electronics, so that tomorrow my TV can roll like a carpet, my mobile phone can also be used as a wristband, so these are new scenarios. So not just robotics, there are several other angles that you can think of uh, application areas where, where flexible electronics can lead to new areas. So, as far as this work is concerned, uh, the advantage here was that it, because of the tight coupling between the transducer and the electronics, it was just a good marriage of transducer and the electronics, they were stacked, there was no wire needed between them. So, wiring complexity is another problem with robotics. If you have 10 sensors here... And electronics is somewhere here you need if you want to read all of them in parallel you need 20 wires and if 20 wires are going there is no dexterity, it just becomes stiff. So that problem was resolved, other advantage was because it was implemented in CMOS you can put more electronics and you can think of local processing etc. you can think of tactile sensing system on chip. That that was the advantage and we achieved that, we published this, this work at you know regularly at various stages. But as i said real world is not flat it's it's flexible it's soft you need all these as far as mechanical parameters are concerned and that's what i meant that today we need there are some factors in all this list some of them are critical today some will be critical tomorrow and today i see critical in terms of flexibility shrinkability stretchability softness etc these are mechanical in terms of electronics, I, I look at fast uh, fast, because you know tactile skin if it is on robot and robot is acting, not reacting actually, uh, the, the reaction follows the, the tactile feedback. And if tactile feedback is itself slow, then there won't be reaction will be slow. And uh, you, you can't really uh, you know execute the task that we like we want to have. So you need fast, you need local computation, etc and you need low power also, because in our body there are thousands of receptors. If we have to replace or if you have to mimic the, the number of sensitivity of our skin, then sensors will be large, electronics associated with sensors will be large, power consumption will be huge, data will be huge. So, you have to think, I am not speaking about data today, but that is also an important part. So, these are some of the, you will see glimpses of these solutions in these areas in the, in the presentation in next slides. So this brings me to the definition of uh, conformable electronics. The definition is multiple functionalities all integrated on flexible substrate. So these functionalities could be various type of sensors, energy harvesting, could elect local memory, signal conditioning etc. and possibly also if needed depends on the application wireless communication all integrated, all components integrated on the same substrate. But this is very difficult from integration point of view because material, this, this particular uh, touch sensor may be coming from material A which requires processing temperature uh, uh, processing steps have 1000 degree whereas, this sensor may be coming from material B that is easy to be printable at room temperature which means because of these these diverse requirements which are very much tied to the materials, it may be difficult to integrate. By the time you realize this, this will melt. And that's also connects to the substrate because some substrate is is a polymer. It melts at hundred degree, hundred and fifty degree. You have to think of new solutions. Current electronics, which is largely based on silicon, requires processing steps which are above one thousand. If you want high high quality dielectric It's 1100 to 1200 degrees that you you need. Implantation after implantation you anneal 800 900 degree that's not possible you cannot directly integrate on flexible substrates. that's why we talk about printing that's why we talk about contact printing transfer printing you know various various forms of printing. So this is what I mean then next point is the coming to the second part which is flexible electronics technologies now that we know that it is needed now we know that from the skin pointer from skin I am connecting skin and uh, flexible electronics together because flexible electronics enables the kind of skin we need. So you will see these I uh, will s- s- switch to flexible electronics and then again bring you back to the, the electronic skin. So from my application now I am moving to, the, to, the, to the, the core fundamental how do we resolve this. We started looking into various materials methods how can we overcome these challenges and when we were looking that we notice that actually there are many directions available you can really explore several materials you can explore several methods and you can uh, modify them and you can get the the skin that we want so planar electronics is not a problem really not a problem it's just the applications the requirements sometimes can can be stringent and then you have to find a new solution so Uh, In terms of materials, two broad categories are organic and inorganic, molecular compounds, polymers, recent materials I have put them here, people talk about whether you call organic or not, but for the sake of you know, the argument just just for the sake of completion I have just put them here, graphene, carbon nanotube etc. You really do not have to take take these you know videos or or images because they are all published, just get the paper. And all the videos and animation that I am going to show, they are on my group YouTube channel, you can download them, okay. I mean, uh, this is, everything is available in public domain. So, inorganic semiconductor, group 4, 3, 5, compound semiconductors, etc., metal oxides, etc. It depends on what you want to do, it depends on application, suitability of all these materials depend on, really depends on the target application. On this axis, you see mobility, on this axis, you see transistor switching frequency. If you want to achieve large area TV display, you, you must have come across this term OTFT, large area organic based, TFT based uh, display. Because your computer screen or your, your display screen, you need a refresh rate of like 60 hertz or 70 hertz, that doesn't require high transistor switching frequency. And if this doesn't require high transistor can frequency, mobility requirement also not high, and that that is possible. So uh, solar cells, etc., they are all with organic, amorphous silicon, nanocrystalline silicon. They can you can make them. But these are the areas we talk today. You come across IoT, Internet of Things, uh, everything connected, smart cities, wireless distributed network. These are the areas that we talk to very very common, you know, you come across these are the futuristic areas. And all these require high fast computation, fast communication. If, just to give an example, IOT, if everything has to be connected, then communication must be at least in RF range. Which means 300 megahertz and above. Now 300 megahertz, you will not get with uh, that, that kind of uh, transistor switching frequency, if it is kilohertz, organic is fine. Now, I am not saying that organic is, is bad or which one is good, this, this speaks for itself, every, every, all materials are good in certain sense, is the complementarity which is important, they are all complementary, they own their own niche applications. But when it comes to fast computation and fast communication, then you have to think of high mobility. There is no other choice. With the current technology, current uh, whatever uh, solutions we have available today, it comes to the high mobility. And that's why a lot of attention on graphene. Its mobility can go up to 20,000, even more, because we feel like Graphene is high mobility material, if we can introduce band gap etc., if we can make electronics from it, it will be a lot faster than silicon and computation will be 20, 30 times more than what we have today. Whether we need that or not is a different question, but this is the argument. Because you cannot scale down, you are already at the, at the 14 nanometer scale between that the kind of technology, only way that you can do is either go to nanoscale and no wires etc or you quantum technologies or you talk about graphene etc so this is this is critical here and that's why high performance is needed and that's why uh, the reason why we do high mobility based flexible electronics also it is the application requirement because the fast computation is needed in case of electronic skin for robotics and communication is also need to be faster so, both are the, the requirements come from there. This table compares all these materials that are being explored for flexible electronics. On this axis, you have various attributes such as mobility, uniformity of threshold voltage, etc., fabrication technique, cost, all these are available here. Key materials are available here organics, graphene, inorganic, metal oxide, all these materials. As I said key difference comes from this one, if you compare to this one 1 to 1000, if this transistor is switching at 1 kilohertz, because it is 3 order of magnitude high, it the silicon based transistor should switch at 1 megahertz, roughly that is a 3 order of magnitude. But typically that is the starting point. But I also want to say here that mobility alone is not the, alone does not determine the high performance. It is the channel length also which is important. It's the ohmic junction which is also important. You have to look at the process parameters, you have to look at the technology. If I have a silicon transistor, but channel length is 100 micrometer, that means electrons flowing in that silicon has to travel this 100 micrometer from source to drain. And then only switching etc. on off can take place because that's very, this is what we are controlling. On other hand, You have organic transistor with mobility of one, but channel length of one micrometer. You actually compensate all that thing, and they both will have same same, uh, switching frequency. But because of silicon, maturity of silicon, we are already talking about, you know, in the nano regime, 14 nanometer, 22 nanometer, these technologies are reality. So, silicon is really the material. It is very difficult whether we uh, we agree or not, practical aspect is industry is pretty much dominated by silicon, it is very hard to replace silicon, trillions of dollars of investment has gone into silicon, new materials uh, it will take long time. Given these practical things, the best uh, we can do is we pick up silicon based solutions, develop electronic skin because we know that electronics is critical in robotics. So that criticality determines the criticality of material and some good mix of practical issues. Okay, so this brings me to the next part and this is again, the part is electronics today is planar, we need electronic skin or tactile skin today, I cannot wait for uh, these uh, flexible electronics or high-performance flexible electronics for years, and then uh, then advanced robotics. That's not the, uh, the 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 direction. So we have to do something today, and that something has to be done with what exists today. And today we have planar electronics. So we started looking into these solutions and got this nice project funded by European Commission, project called Roboskin. The goal of this project was this is the I-cub is ready, but it does not feel. And the goal was that we develop electronic skin for this or tactile skin or synthetic skin. You will come across these terms, they are all safe actually. So we develop this skin, so we actually did that and the technology was flexible printed circuit boards. This exists for a long time. Our computer, if you look at printers, you know that ribbon, that flex thing, it has wire. It has been there all the time. So we use that, and we integrate the chips on that, those particular, so those substrates, and put them on the robot's body. And it was able to feel, it led to change in the research paradigm, robotics research paradigm. Before the skin, most of the the work were based on hand-based manipulation and exploration. So pick and place, you know, all the fingers and lot of attention on, on dexterity, etc. Everybody is forgetting this, that skin is not just in the hands, but it is the entire body. If you have to lift a heavy sandbag, then you don't use your finger, you just grab it. And you take advantage of the feedback from entire body. And you execute it nicely. These are the tasks helping elderly, etc. These are the tasks we need in the future. So, skin has to be everywhere. And after the skin... Uh, I I know at least seven projects where European Commission funded seven projects where large area contacts were needed and that's why I say that it led to change in the research paradigm. From hand-based manipulation people started talking about exploiting the large area contacts simultaneously, not just single point touch, multi-touch. All these things came together in robotics. The skin is now, this iCub is available with skin and the skin is also commercially available. And the idea was simple, when you are talking about covering 3D surface, the skin is not always going on the cylindrical surface, our body is quite complex, some parts as I said this is spherical, this is spherical, this is cylindrical. You have to develop a technology that fits everywhere. You have to develop a technology that doesn't just just go to ICA but also integrates on other robots. How can we do that? The coverage is important. If technology is important, how do you integrate, how do you cover most of the body parts is also important. And the how we achieve that is given by this fuller map concept. So fuller map is you have a spherical your globe, you take projections. When you take projection they become triangles. And you, you that that's a 2D map sometimes, you just uh, Google fuller map and you will get this 2D map. And this when you to look at this layout, these are all triangles, you can make them triangles. And this brings me to the triangulation technique, which computer vision, uh, computer imaging, 3D imaging guys, they use every day. Using triangles, you can cover any surface, you can make any 3D shape, big or small. So that is the technique we adopted, we make the skin, which is triangular patch. Now with those triangles what we did, now you have skin with triangular patches, you have a robot, take the 2D map of the robot, imagine I am unfolding my own body, it becomes 2D, something, some complex shape will come. Now you have this 2D map, now you know the placement, maximum how can I cover with these triangles because we know that this triangulation technique that you can do. And that way we covered maximum body parts with the current technology. So, this was the example here, these are the as you see the skin on the on the on the body, this is all flexible, these are triangular triangles. Another good thing happened at that time this project was uh, was concluded in 2012, we started in 2009, at that time these iPhone smartphone things was was they were just coming. And that was a quite timely thing for us, because that came so the came okay, the analog devices 7147 chip which is used in iPhone capacitance to digital converter you need lot of electronics here if it was not there would have been difficult because this chip was available and it's quite small chip we could integrate this and all these 12 you see 12 points because there are on your, on, on your smartphone you have those 12 you know inputs one to nine and then you have three more that's why 12 this chip was able to convert 12 capacitance into digital data so this was available We integrated it on the back side and on the top side were capacitive sensors. That also was the reason why we ended up with the capacitive, because that was the technology available. And for 16 such triangles they are connected, there was one microcontroller, so that becomes one patch. And these patches were then connected and I2C communication channel was adopted and entire system was the, the, the electronics or the core computing unit, it was data was fed to that. This this was the uh, the interesting aspect, there is a problem here and problem is in multiple directions, technology itself is one problem, but this is what we could achieve with the existing thing. It was not custom, custom made, we try to you know bring solutions in indirect way. So this is what it did, did to, to the robotics, you know you were able to then uh, touch robot, robot was able to react based on touch over large area. So it is not just you no know, poking you have, you can grab it. And also it led to then people also started looking into research. Those who were working on vision, they could also, you know, integrate vision and touch. And, uh, that led to robust perception. We do it every day. We don't separate, you know, uh, you are touching something you want to verify. You, know, you are seeing something you want to verify your touch and then yeah it is soft. Now that kind of coordination we we do we, it goes on with us but now robots are doing that. And uh, after I left that place then uh, this is IIT, Italian Institute of Technology, those from India they may come across they may have seen IIT as Indian Institute of Technology but actually IIT exists elsewhere as well, there is one in the US as well. So they. Miniaturized this technology and they also integrated this uh, this same technology with the fingertips and they demonstrated uh, the that the hand was uh, able to manipulate soft objects. So, when you want there is a lot of things that I can speak about yeah, ok. Computer, uh, yes please. So right, uh, uh, so let me take to the next part then. And the next part is the the skin itself the I as I mentioned there are some areas Uh, The low power thing is, or energy is also important. When you talk about these large number of sensors, uh, electronic sensor itself, they all consume a lot of power. Large area skin, power becomes a big problem. And if it is a robot which is autonomous robot, you know, relying on battery power, it becomes a big draining of the battery. So you want a solution which is actually energy autonomous, self-powered skin. And then this direction we started working on, we came to graphene was quite handy. So we started working on this and one problem with graphene is, it's an interesting material, but problem is you have, it is available in flakes. The small area, you know, and we are talking about large area, how can we, you know, kind of a big mismatch here. And why this mismatch is because, you know, uh, graphene is usually synthesized on copper, highly co- polished copper, but highest polished copper will still have some nano, nano structures on the surface. That is what you see these lines are those structures. Graphene is single atomic layer. Graphene when you synthesize it takes the shape of these structures you know, it conforms to these structures. Now you imagine this one, you have graphene nicely coming here, I want to have uh, graphene on this surface. This is planar surface, but because graphene is taking these shapes, when you put them, these high points, they are in conformal contact, but these points are not in contact with the surface, which means when I transfer it, I am transferring a cracked graphene. And with cracked graphene, you cannot think of electronics on large A or sensors on large A. And this was the the key message here. We overcame this challenge and this was uh, quickly became one of the ah uh, uh, the top red paper in in this in scientific reports. And what we did was not very very different from what people were doing, only difference here was instead of using polished copper we used copper from lithium ion battery. Because of chemical reaction it is much smoother, lithium ion battery copper is a commodity item it is cheaper as well. So all that cost that is going in polishing copper you actually really no do not need that. That is why it led to the cost cutting and with this you get the the, you can transfer we transferred graphene on 25 centimeter by 25 centimeter. So that is quite large area Uh, by the standard of the the centimeter maximum centimeter scale kind of graphene that people are using and this was on flexible substrate, so transparent as well. Now, this was interesting because then it led to the next solution graphene is transparent about 98% transparent, you are transferring graphene on transparent substrate that means it is all transparent and if I can make graph from this touch sensors, I should be able to use solar cell. Solar cell is of interest to me because other energy harvesting solutions that are being used either triboelectric, piezoelectric, pyroelectric, thermal, whatever you know, they don't give me enough power. And not only for the skin, for most of the wearable system the power is limited. If, uh, if the thermoelectric is giving in milliwatt order, solar cell gives you uh, hundreds of milliwatt. That is the difference and that is needed. But to achieve that, to use that, I need skin which is transparent because otherwise light will not pass. Current state of the art is most of the skin solutions that are available, they are non-transparent. So, we take, we took advantage of the transparency of graphene and the fact that we were able to transfer it on large area, we developed the, this, the new sensors from graphene by, by patterning graphene and we didn't, did not use lithography, lithography is all known to damage graphene. We use simple blade cutting tool, so that's the, these patterns were obtained by cutting graphene. So, transferring graphene on PVC and then cut the graphene to get this kind of structure Immediately we notice that in terms of sensor itself, I am not talking power, in terms of sensing itself 2.5 times gain over similar type of sensors with other materials which are being explored in in uh, in the state of the art such as if I get same shape with gold deposited on the on the PVC and with graphene this is the difference in the sensitivity. And then we integrated this, we also tested it uh, For large number of bending cycles, so 1000 is shown here, the variation actually we tested it up to 10000, the results were not 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 significantly different from this one, variation was less than 1 percent variation in resistance, which means this skin is also robust in terms of when you are bending it or you know kind of a twisting it, so it, it is quite stable response that is pretty much needed because skin is something it's not a vision sensor again i come back to vision because you don't touch it skin is something that you touch every time so you have to worry about you have to take care of the the wear and tear so that way it is good we integrated it on the solar cell so uh, anyway we integrated the skin on the solar cell because light was able to go through so it was uh, getting enough power. In fact, the amount of power we got was more than what was needed and this surplus power we have already got the solution that paper is in review I have not included here, but a ultra flexible layer of energy storage device also has been added to the skin. So, it is kind of you know surplus is going there and we have in that paper we have also demonstrated that this surplus power can be used to actually move the motors. So, that brings to the actuator part. So, that is not discussed here today. The skin was then integrated on the eye lip which is the state of the art prosthetic hand and on different phalanges when you touch you can see the response from different phalanges. So, now come to the next part which is inorganic. So, I am bringing you back to silicon again So, silicon story is that we need uh, whatever you may have whether your display or electronic skin at some point you need high performance electronics and compact electronics, like microprocessor. But that means that you need also technology that microprocessor can be flexible. And that is where I come to the ultra thin chips. So we also developed this technology, uh, this wafer scale uh, using chemical etching, very simple process. So we got this, uh, this silicon chips which are 15 micrometer thick, 1.5 and encapsulated in polymide and then we also got the chips with the with phosphate kind of chips we have got uh, the thin chips. Silicon that we we think of as as a brittle material as a non flexible material actually can be quite flexible with this technique. So, in this case the sample that you see here is 1.5 centimeter wide and 2 centimeter long which is almost the size of your microprocessor actually maybe bigger than that. So, this is uh, uh, bare silicon, this is silicon on PDMS and you can make it quite flexible. But problem is if this chip that you get flexible, if it is just about you know putting in one corner high performance electronics, it is fine. If you want to make skin with that, it is not feasible, I mean feasible in the sense of cost, it is very expensive. You cannot have an e e-skin, electronic skin. And this goes to the last column that I was talking initially, the factors related to cost and effect variability So it is possible but the cost is very high, so we have to think of other solutions. So we also you know kind of integrate these on flexible substrate and we uh, this is called flex on flex integration and we test these chips on uh, uh, in a controlled way using uh, you know nano force we apply and we bend them uh, for different curvatures and from this we study the device response for different forces and then we also develop the model. I I will not cover that mathematical part that all parts are covered here in these papers. If you want to interested in the modeling of flexible electronics, then you can read these papers, but that is it, that is important. Now, coming to the large area again, chip is is not able to give you a large area because it is not cost effective. So, we have to think of other solutions. And what we are doing here in this case, this is the method that actually came from John Rogers group. So, what they did was they they made micro nano structures on the wafer, all high temperature processing steps were carried out when you have these structures on the wafer. Then you transfer these structures using PDMS carrier because of Van der uh, forces the adhesion between micro these nanostructures is and PDMS is, is good enough when you peel it off these wires are transferred to PDMS. You can then again transfer them on the final substrate. And after that you can um, you can you use the printing techniques or simple metal deposition the stand, standard method you can realize metals and you get the transistor. So, that was the process. Uh, here, in this process there is a problem as well and those challenges we overcame, they were not reported, but we did that and that was the PDMS when you transfer this, you have PD, PD, PDMS residues on the substrate. If you deposit, because PDMS is dielectric, you cannot directly deposit metal here. You have to remove it and because it is nanoscale, you can't really remove uh, with the techniques uh, that are available for PDMS. So in this case, we reported uh, that paper is also one of the most downloaded paper, uh, we, we reported method for removing PDMS and then metal deposition. Now this is interesting because you can think of large area, you can think of this stamping kind of technique, you pick and place and then you can place it on the, on the, on the large area. That way you can get electronics on large area and you are placing at, a, at locations defined by your layout. You know the layout, where you need transistor. One transistor is here, one is there and then metal connections between them. So you know where to put. So you can use this technique. But there is a problem here also. And that problem is this area is limited. I have to, this is batch to batch process you lift from this area, once this all wires have gone, I have to replace and bring new wafer and then start again. So, this is called from manufacturing point of view, this is time consuming process. What you are looking at, looking for is a solution that kind of prints like a newspaper, like roll to roll printing and that is the next step and in that direction also we are working, a couple of slides I will present there as well. So. Uh, From large area point of view there is another problem that that, uh, you need to understand uh, and that is uniformity of response. If you deposit for uh, for the sake of argument, consider you are depositing oxide layer on 1 meter scale, then it is very normal to expect variation in the thickness. So it could be 100 nanometer here but 90 nanometer here. And this variation in the thickness leads to variation in the device response which means for the same force this sensor and this sensor will give me different output and we do not want that. So that kind of problem also remains with this uh, and in in addition to that at nanoscale dimensional control is really difficult. One nanowire could be 19 19 nanometer diameter whereas other nanowire could be 20 nanometer. That is really difficult to, to control that at that level. And that can lead to the variations. People have tried uh, using single nanowire based transistors and that has remained a bottleneck so far. We are not doing that, instead what we are doing is, we are using ensemble of nanowires. So when you use ensemble of nanowires, statistical distribution is much lower, (coughs) uh, because of uh, statistical distribution variation is much lower. And you get devices which have more or less uniform response. And we have shown that by developing devices, because in this case we also use printing. Uh, We print metal lines, we are not using the the e-beam deposition, we just print with the screen printer or or spray coating or the inkjet printer, we print these metal lines and that is the intention because we want to bring printing and conventional electronics together. and as you can see, by printing, you will not get these fine uh, boundaries, and that can be overcome by these ensemble of uh, nanowires. So, uh, what we are doing here is we we grow nanowire, but not with the technique that I presented earlier. But these are vertical nanowires, and they are obtained with metal-assisted chemical etching, and then we transfer them or print them on the flexible substrate directly and after that metal deposition the same process. And these are the results here, so what we do is uh, uh, first we have these these micro nano spheres on the top surface, the this slide gives the complete process. So, you have silicon dioxide, then you deposit these spheres using self assembly or you can use the standard deposition methods, silver on top and then you remove these spheres so you get the kind of porous porous silver on top of silicon if you put all these in h2o to hf bath then all these pores that you have they are actually they become nanowires and rest is etched so silicon goes what you get is wire like this one vertical wire is very important because when you print you want to print them in a same direction you want aligned wires and uh, with this we developed this setup to print these wires on flexible substrates. So, this setup you have the the wires here, this is the receiver. Again these uh, these are the sticky and non sticky areas, your sticky area is basically the area where you need need electronic layer. So, you transfer them uh, and these are silicon nanowires printed on on polymide, zinc oxide nanowires printed on polymide, different type of nanowires you can print. And we obtain device from them, we have demonstrated this paper is recently accepted in this nature journal which is microsystem and nanoengineering. So you can print and after that you print metal line, you have silicon nanowire printed because it is nanowire it is anyway less than 100 nanometer ultra flexible. So that way we are now developing these skin, so all these transistors the skin that you have these are nanowires and source metal lines and that goes to the. To the large area, so printing. So this is where we are today. Uh, there are a lot more that I can I can discuss about the skin work. Clearly, that skin there is there are areas which are still challenging areas. But in the interest of time, I'll I'll better stop at this point. If you have questions, then um, then you can write to me. Uh, this is uh, I'll conclude at this point. Yes, so. So in in the, as a conclusion, for the safe human machine interaction, robots or for that matter any machine, we need, uh, it must be able to feel uh, the objects around them and e-skin is the underpinning technology, not only for uh, robotics, but uh, the interaction with robots, but also in other areas such as bionics, healthcare, internet of things, wearable systems. Electronics and printed electronics, they are printing technology together is the kind of interesting combination that we see for the future uh, uh, for high performance electronics and there could be hybrid technologies based on all the materials that I discussed and flexible electronics has such as a disruptive area. The all that you planar electronics that, that you see today if there is a flexible electronics it will be just new set of applications. Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to a podcast from the IFE. To stay up to date with our podcasts, please subscribe to our channel. You can also visit us on the web at qut.edu.au forward slash IFE. And we're also on Twitter at IFE underscore QUT and also on Instagram at ife.qut. We really hope you enjoyed this IFE podcast.